a lot of what I do, uh, what I am doing is trying to put together this, you know, this puzzle is trying to solve it is trying to, you know, the, the pieces are all over the place. I'm trying to figure out how it, you know, how they fit together. And, you know, it, it never, you know, I never set out to do that. It, it certainly, you know, it just happened that way. I, I would say that that sort of practice, if you will, is something that goes back to my childhood. So, so I feel that that, you know, that type of, you know, the curious mind and, and, and trying to, you know, um, resolve an issue or, or see some finality is something that uh, definitely goes back to, you know, when I was a kid. Welcome to It's All Journalism. I'm Michael O'Connell here with another podcast about digital news and the people who produce it. On the phone with me today is Jason Leopold, a senior investigative reporter at Vice News. Jason was in D.C. for a panel discussion at the National Press Club this week about the Freedom of Information Act. He's back in California. And uh, this summer is actually the 50th anniversary of FOIA. Earlier this month, Vice published an investigative piece that Jason had written entitled, It Took a FOIA Law to Uncover How the Obama Administration Killed FOIA Reform. Since I'm recording this during Sunshine Week, the annual week-long celebration of public access to government information, I thought Jason would be a great guest to, to talk to. So welcome, Jason. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, sorry for the long, for the long intro, but uh, let's get started off with the, the panel that you did at the Press Club, National Press Club in D.C. Uh, what was the discussion about? What was it you were, what were some of the themes, FOIA themes that were addressed? Well, it was basically, you know, a panel on how the government, how the administration is doing with regards to its promises to or promise to be the most transparent. Uh, what are some of the problems, you know, that we've experienced as journalists with regard to the Freedom of Information Act? What are some of the things that perhaps can be fixed? So it was really a, an opportunity during Sunshine Week to kind of take a, uh, a look at uh, this law. Uh, which will turn 50 years old this summer, and uh, just to kind of discuss uh, some some horror stories, some some things that perhaps are uh, you know positive developments. We discussed that the Senate passed you know just passed a FOIA reform bill, which now will go to the House. They'll try to you know mesh these two versions together, and we'll see if uh, President Obama signs that into law. Now, the, the the Obama administration, you know, you, you sort of mentioned it in passing, you know, they came into office and they, you're saying that they were going to be the most transparent administration since then. And, and they've gotten sort of mixed marks as to how transparent they have been. What, what's been your sort of impression up to this it, point? Well, they, they definitely have not been the most transparent. It's, it's interesting to me, the some of the things that, that people forget, journalists forget. That happened, uh, you know, just a few months after Obama was sworn into office. And a few months after he was sworn into office, he had to uh, make this decision as to whether or not he was going to honor the release of photographs, uh, photographs that would depict the treatment of detainees uh, held by the U.S. military in Iraq and Afghanistan. And this was a FOIA lawsuit that the ACLU filed and that they won. And uh, the Bush administration had been trying to block the release of these photographs, but President Obama came in. He said he would, uh, you know, he would he would honor the the uh, court's decision. He would release these photographs as required under the Freedom of Information Act. Uh, and then there was a backlash that ensued. And uh, you know, uh, following that backlash, uh, you know, what happened was is that uh, you know his administration worked with Congress to change FOIA to weaken FOIA. So that when groups and journalists and, and the public seek 
documents or, or rather media, pictures, audio recordings about the treatment of detainees, they would not be able to get it. And, and Congress changed FOIA at the behest of the administration in order to block that. So right out of the gate, they were not transparent. And, and I often need to remind people that this was, you know, this only happened a few months after he was sworn into office. But, you know, the, I believe the administration feels that the more they say that they're the most transparent, the more, you know, people will believe it. The fact is, is that the, you know, statistics do not lie. And uh, the, you know, the certain agencies have been kind of cooking the, cooking the numbers to make it appear as if they have. So that's my long winded answer on that. Yeah, and, and I remember instances like there were uh, the AP had uh, published a report and, and objections about uh, the way the Obama administration was providing uh, photo access to um, you know things that the the uh, the White House was doing. That right. you know, the White, yeah. the White House was saying, "Oh no, no, we've got a photographer, a staff photographer. We'll just we'll distribute those photos." And uh, rightfully so, the AP and, and other news organizations said, "Hey, you know that's not how it works. I mean, if these things are open to the public, if they're important, you know, if it's a state dinner or, or whatever, you know, some sort of meeting or something, you know, it's important to have independent you know journalists exactly. there." To, yeah, to- no, those are those are the types. Of uh, you know, it's a great example, and it's the types of you know situations that journalists found themselves in, having to you know kind of remind this uh, you know this administration, hey, remember you you said you were going to be transparent and open, and uh, it just it obviously just does not apply to you know to documents. You know, it, it's important that uh, I feel to remind people that uh, you know th- this administration has not lived up to its promise. Right. And on the other hand, they, they've been very forthcoming about the idea of releasing data sets for certain information, sort of trying to promote agencies to, uh, you know, that if they create this sort of information, you know, putting it out in a way that people could use it. But then on the other hand, you know, I've I've spoken to journalists who say that this administration has been very, uh, it's very difficult to get to anybody to speak on the record about anything. And, you know, that's actually, I'm glad you brought that up because that has been my experience. You know, one of the reasons that I turned to the Freedom of Information Act, that I have aggressively used the Freedom of Information Act, particularly in the national security area, because the, you know, I cover national security for the most part. That's my, you know, that's my beat as an investigative journalist. And it's been very, very difficult to get anyone to speak on the record about anything. One, they fear that uh, perhaps you know they'll be investigated if they you know if they say something that you know perhaps somebody would uh, deem it to be classified. And in addition, just even uh, you know even uh, within the agencies, you, you could go as far as the, you know some public affairs officers they won't speak on the record or they won't make people available who are in the know about uh, about some of these issues. So I'm sort of left with. Well, do I quote anyone anonymously? You know, I, and, and I just don't want to go down that road. So I needed to turn to the Freedom of Information Act as a way to pry loose uh, information to make up for the fact that, uh, you know, that, that, that people would not uh, discuss it. It's worked out very well. And, I, and, and now I would just simply use it as a, as a way to kind of convince other people to talk once I get the you know, documents that are declassified. Now, now, some people say that FOIA is, is broken and it needs to be fixed. What, what do you see are, are its chief weaknesses at this point? Oh, it's definitely broken. There's no question that it needs to be fixed. And I think that 
uh, we've seen Congress actually you know, take on that effort yet again. You know, this, perhaps I believe it's the seventh attempt in, say, about 10 years to, you know, to fix the Freedom of Information Act. You know, one of the weaknesses uh, certainly is response time. You know, backlogs, the fact that the government agencies do not have enough people working to process Freedom of Information Act requests, the abuse of certain exemptions, particularly an exemption known as a B-5 or Exemption 5, which is the deliberative process exemption. Agencies use that as sort of a catch-all to kind of justify the withholding of all sorts of information. The inefficiency in which to file FOIA requests, the fact that, uh, you know, that, that digital records are not, that there's no proactive disclosures. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot that is wrong with it, but there's also, you know, it's also remains a very, very powerful tool. And if one knows how to, you know, if a requester knows how to use it well, well, you know, the, the payoff is, uh, is quite huge, particularly for journalists. I mean, I think my body of work speaks for itself, particularly over the past year, digging into issues about the uh, uh, CIA and allegations that the CIA was spying on the Senate Intelligence Committee while the committee was uh, working on its uh, uh, report about the uh, torture program. You know, I was able to pry loose hundreds of pages of documents that were classified thanks to FOIA, actually thanks to a FOIA lawsuit. And, uh, you know, that, that shed light on exactly what was happening. You know, and I suppose that is also another, you know, I, I, I should make note of that, that, you know, I do file a number of lawsuits against the government when they do not respond to FOIA uh, or respond to my FOIA request. So, yeah, it, it, we should not have to use lawsuits. The FOIA lawsuits show that, the, that it is a broken system. But, you know, it, unfortunately, it's the only way to get, you know, to get information at this point. Yeah, and you really have to be proactive about it. I know that we had a, a, a about a year ago, we had somebody on the podcast who is a local, you know, sort of an I-team investigative reporter person from uh, um, a local um, TV news uh, station. And, you know, he routinely was weekly at the, you know, the lo- you know, local government uh, filing uh, FOIA requests. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I know it's. You know, for me, what I've done, it's, it's something that I try to every week try to, you know, at least put together a, a, a few few requests. You know, my, my goal is to build a pipeline, and I have, so that, uh, you know, say when several years pass, I'll be getting releases every, you know, few times per week. You know, it's a very, very powerful tool, as I mentioned, despite the fact that it is broken. And, you know, to understand how to kind of work, work this, uh, use this tool in order to try and get, you know, what you need, you know, it means an investment of time. I invest an enormous amount of time to, you know, understand how, how the law works, uh, what the regulations are, the, how the agencies respond to that. I mean, it, it's, it is an investment of time. And, and you know, my full-time job is as, a, as, as an investigative reporter. Uh, so, I, you know, I feel that it is, you know, it's crucial to, you know, to do that. And, and you know, I, I think that people don't use it or journalists don't use it as often as they, as perhaps they should, because they have not, uh, it's not been, you know, successful for them. You know, they, they have not found that they're going to get documents on a, you know, on a time, in a timely basis, uh, that they're, it's going to lose its value. Uh, they have to deal with these agencies who are, you know, clearly in some cases thwarting their efforts to, you know, gain access to information. So I get it. 
you know, hopefully that will change. Well, and we talk about uh, we've been talking about some of the hurdles that you've you've got to you've got to go through. Let's talk about some of the the successes that you've been able to have. The, this recent article that you you wrote for Vice about FOIA. Can you sort of talk about the origin of that and and how uh, FOIA played its role in uh, getting you documentation to report that story? Yeah, it's actually kind of funny. I guess perhaps maybe it's, it could be seen as a meta FOIA type of effort. So, you know, back in 2014, you're referring to the fact that the, the, the article that you're referring to is the, the administration sort of scuttling any reform effort? Yes. Yeah, okay. So back in 2014, there was this effort by Congress to uh, the Senate and the House to, to reform the Freedom of Information Act, to basically correct and fix the problems that I, had hi- that I highlighted for you. And uh, it was, you know, a great bill. W- when it became time for the House, to kind of take it up back in December of 2014. And mind you, this, this was an, a year-long effort. It died. It just died in the House. The Speaker John Boehner never brought it up. It never came up for a vote. And that was it. And, you know, we're those in the, in the FOIA community, journalists, were wondering, what happened? How did this happen? And, you know, we heard rumblings, rumors that uh, the banking industry was working against this, that, that lobbyists, we're, we're, we're speaking to lawmakers saying, you know, don't don't allow this bill to pass because it would it would hurt efforts, you know, by, by the SEC and the, and the Federal Trade Commission to kind of uh, investigate issues related to to this. And, and then we heard that the Justice Department, you know, was against it. So, you know, I had filed a, a Freedom of Information Act request for uh, with the SEC and with the Federal Trade Commission and also with the Justice Department to find out what documents they had, anything that mentioned the FOIA Reform Act. And then a group called the Freedom of the Press Foundation, uh, they actually also filed the same kind of request with the Justice Department. But they sued. They sued the Justice Department under FOIA, and they obtained these, these amazing documents just recently. And these documents showed that the Obama administration was actually against any effort to reform the Freedom of Information Act. Not only were they against reforming it, they were basically saying that they are against acting with a presumption of openness, which was something that President Obama, you know, that was part of his presidential memorandum. That is the that presidential memorandum is why his staffers, his top aides, continue to say they are the most transparent in history. And what Congress wanted to do was codify that presidential ma- memorandum into law. And what these documents, you know, if you can believe it, it took a FOIA lawsuit, as the headline of my story uh, says, to actually shed light on the fact that, you know, the Obama administration was was scuttling transparency. And uh, so, you know, that's essentially what the what the story I reported was, is is how this administration worked to kind of kill the FOIA Reform Act and uh, how they calls for for one being transparent and claiming they're transparent are contradicted by documents released under FOIA. Another long-winded story, but that's you know that's what that that's how this whole thing happened. It's sort of indicative of uh, <laughs> how these stories are. They, it takes a long time to uh, get get this information, and uh, it, it's sort of a, a long uh, road for you to, to to write that story. Now you it mentioned was. it was two years to write, you know, to to, to 
to obtain the documents from the SEC, from the FTC, and the FTC, and even the Justice Department, you know, that the Freedom of Press Foundation obtained. I mean, this was two years. This is, and it took a FOIA lawsuit. Okay, they were not voluntary, uh, voluntarily releasing this information. The timing of it, however, perfect, because we released that story just a few days before Sunshine Week, and right at the time that Congress was working on yet another FOIA reform bill. So, although it was a you know a tedious effort and required a great deal of patience, it all worked out in the end. So you mentioned in passing, uh, and we should sort of talk about this a little bit, that, that one of the things that happened early in the, in the Obama administration was he issued an executive order uh, about FOIA and about openness, and yes. which sort of led to this promise of, oh, well, here's a, here's a president who's being proactive and he's sort of setting a, uh, a standard for the agencies in you know, cleaning up their act and making it easier to, to release public documents. But you know, everything that's come after that, though, seems to be working against that. That's right. So, you know, in January of 2009, President Obama signed a presidential memorandum that essentially instructed all government agencies to act with a presumption of openness, to, to be open and transparent in response to Freedom of Information Act requests. A few months after that, then Attorney General Eric Holder issued guidelines to government agencies, essentially saying the same thing and, and instructing them how to, you know, respond with, uh, with regard to FOIA. So this was kind of coming, again, coming off the Bush administration that was not very open, and a different memo that was issued by then John Ashcroft, then Attorney General John Ashcroft. So basically what the Obama administration was doing was saying, here are our rules, and, and here's how we are going to act. And it all looked good on paper, but the problem was is that none of these agencies were acting with the presumption of openness. You know, I have filed thousands of FOIA requests, and I have, you know, over a thousand outstanding. And none of these agencies were acting with the presumption of openness, were following the guidelines that then Attorney General, you know, sent to all of the agencies that uh, required them to, you know, to act in this way. And then worse, the Justice Department's Office of Information Policy. Now, this is an office within DOJ that uh, basically is supposed to ensure that all government agencies, you know, they oversee this, are adhering to these guidelines that were uh, handed down in 2009. And they have actually failed at that. They have not done a, a, a good job of, uh, of enforcing it. There, there really is no enforcement. They're supposed to be encouraging, or, or rather they encourage agencies to follow this to follow these guidelines. So really what you have here is not much of a change. You have uh, you know, some things that were improved, like you can email you know, certain agencies now, but they took these uh, guidelines in this memo and you know, kind of uh, filed it away and, and continue to act the way, they, you know, the way they acted. And that was being rather unfriendly to requesters. So I'm going to include a link to your story with with the uh, web piece that we're going to have with this. But I did want to sort of talk about some of the specifics of the story. What was it? Now, the, the the documentation that you got was all around uh, this this legislation that was in Congress and had to do with uh, how the Obama administration was sort of scuttling that. What was it they were trying to stop that was in that oh, legislation? The, the passage of the entire uh, of the legislation. That is what is remarkable, okay? 
it's not a little piece of the legislation. It's not a, uh, you know, a few words here and there. What the administration was trying to stop was the entire bill. They were opposed, strongly opposed, to every part of that reform bill, to every part of it that would have made it easier for requesters to gain access to government documents that would have made uh, the FOIA work much more efficiently. They were opposed to it. So it really, I mean, I, I can't stress how important a story that, uh, like this is simply because it shows, it proves that this administration really was not serious about being transparent. I mean, it, it, this memo, uh, this six-page memo that was pried loose from the Justice Department that lays bare their opposition is very, very important in showing how this administration just really was not serious about being transparent. And it's all there. And I think it's, uh, you know, coming off the, you know, the, the fact that the, the administration's, you know, time in office, uh, the president's time in office is winding down, hugely important in, is in terms of, you know, being part of history or, or adding to the public record. Now, with that said, if the House, you know, ends up passing the new reform bill, Yet, yet another one, you know, within the next few months, uh, you know, the, the President Obama said he would sign it. And uh, so perhaps this, you know, this will serve as a sort of a footnote if that were to happen. So and the legislation was we can say that it was bipartisan. Oh, it is. the. It, it, what's amazing about it, it's one of the few pieces and I mean few pieces of, uh, of legislation that has overwhelming bipartisan support. You know as well as I do that over the past seven years, you know, trying to get uh, a bipartisan, you know, true bipartisan legislation passed has been beyond difficult. And this is one of them. You know, this is one of the few pieces of bipartisan legislation. Do you think that this is going to address a lot of the big problems with FOIA at this time? Yes. I think if this were to actually be signed into law and, uh, you know, then the, the agencies are forced to start acting differently, yeah, it's going to solve a number of problems for journalists, historians, and even the public. Here's one thing that would be really, really important you know, with, with these changes. So currently, under the way FOIA is currently written, if you ask for certain documents that, I don't know, let's say you want to know what certain agencies are saying to each other, or maybe what, the, what Attorney General Eric Holder is saying to, or excuse me, former Attorney General Eric Holder, you know, what was discussing with regard to, say, a drone strike. There are times when you will get a response to certain record requests that the records are being withheld, as I mentioned earlier, under a certain exemption known as Exemption 5 or B5, the deliberative process privilege, which applies to, you know, interagency uh, memorandums, advice, draft, draft documents, and, you know, some attorney-client privilege, you know, falls into that. So when you get that kind of a response, meaning that we're not going to give you these records, Michael, because they're being withheld under this exemption, that means they're, they're going to be withheld forever. You can never get those, those records. But under the changes that, uh, that are currently underway, uh, at least you know, with what the Senate and House are, are doing, it would actually add a sunset provision, meaning that it would only be able to be withheld you know, under that specific exemption, Exemption 5, for 25 years. So that means that 
a flood of uh, documents could now be released. That would be a boon for journalists and historians. For example, George H.W. Bush. Perhaps there are some records that, uh, you know, from his administration about uh, Desert Storm. You know, uh, President Bill Clinton, some records about, uh, you know, a wide range of issues from his administration that were previously withheld under that exemption would soon be able, actually would be able to uh, to come out. One important, very important document that was withheld under this exemption is uh, the CIA's, one of the volumes of the, of the CIA's Bay of Pigs, uh, the Bay of Pigs from the 60s. That would suddenly be released. So it would be a boon for historians and journalists. Uh, really trying to just gain, in, you know, gain insight, you know, into uh, into the past. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, st- just strictly speaking from a historical standpoint. I mean, recently we, you know, the CIA released a, a bunch of inf- uh, of correspondence and uh, or their reports that they uh, they gave to the uh, the Kennedy and the Johnson administrations. Yes, yeah, and, and it just it's sort of sheds a whole new light on on the policy making there. And I remember in previous years that uh, for about the Cuban missile crisis or crisis that uh, documents came out about that, that sort of showed that there was some negotiations going on behind the scenes that nobody really knew about for, right. for a couple of decades. Right. And, exactly. And it sort of changed the whole perspective of the, you know, how the, the presidency, how the government, you know, handles some of these big issues. And it sort of sheds light on that. And of course, when, you know, the Nixon tapes were made public, that was a huge deal as well. But, you know, that's you're waiting decades to see some of this material. Um, yes. Or in some cases, you're never going to get a chance to see it. But now you can see it now. You know, if the reform legislation passes, signed into law, that's a game changer, because now you can you know, things that you were never able to see. You can now see. So well, let's let, let's hope that that sort of happens. Uh, yeah. Before we wrap up here, I, I want to ask a little bit about just being an investigative reporter. How did you end up becoming an investigative reporter? What was that sort of got you into this as a career? You know, it never. Uh, I mean, I should say that I, it wasn't something I set out to do. It's, it's kind of just something I fell into, and largely, you know, a, as a result of working within this kind of web of. Uh, Information, trying to gain access to certain information or, or, or people and trying to track them down, that uh, I realized what I was doing was investigative work. Really, in a way, sort of like acting like a detective and, and, and you know, trying to find answers, whether it's to a, you know, to a crime or to a, a specific issue or you're just tracking people down. And so I found that you know, later on, you know, in the second half of the Bush administration, that was the type of work a type of journalism that I was practicing more and more was, you know, what would be considered investigative work. And then, and then later, you know, during the first part of this administration, the Obama administration, really using the Freedom of Information Act to gain access to, to information, and then chasing down, you know, the, the people that are identified in documents or, or, or trying to fill in the blank. So, you know, a lot of what I do, what I am doing is trying to put together this you know, this puzzle is trying to solve it, is trying to, you know, the the pieces are all over the place. I'm trying to figure out how it, you know, how they fit together. And, you know, it, it never, you know, I never set out to do that. It, it certainly, you know, it just happened that way. I, I would say that that sort of practice, if you will, is something that goes back to my childhood. So, so I feel that that, you know, that type of, you know, the curious mind and, and, and trying to, you know, um, resolve an issue or, or see some finality is something that uh, 
definitely goes back to you know when I was a kid. So you were? Did you FOIA your parents' records? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, but I actually did FOIA myself, and uh, <laughs> uh, you know what? What was just kind of amazing is I found out, and I actually posted about this. This is this is a while back, but I'll just uh, you know end it with this: is you know, sometime back, I have been working on an investigative story about the brother of a high-value detainee who lives in the United States and had become an FBI informant. And uh, he provided me with a waiver, a privacy waiver, saying I could ask the FBI for all of the records they have on him. And I did. And um, I later found out through a FOIA request that the FBI sent out a special agent or assigned a special agent to investigate me based on the you know, fact that this person had provided me with a you know, with a privacy waiver and he wanted to, you know, they were investigating the, the story that I was working on. It was unbelievable. And, and so I received these documents from the FBI. And there it is in an FBI report that, you know, they're talking about me and they're talking about what I intend to write about and who I'm speaking with. So that was somewhat chilling. And uh, in the end, it made for an amazing story. So I'm should not be too critical because it was uh, of the FBI uh, because it uh, it all worked out in the end. Yeah, well, that, that's all that matters. That you got a good story out of it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, this is this has been a great conversation. I'm glad we got to talk uh, in detail about FOIA. It's it's such a, an important tool for journalists to use, and any you know any opportunity to sort of shed light on on why it's not as open as it should be. It's not as, it's not working the way it should, was originally planned. Uh, you know, I, I try to jump at that. But, yeah. Yeah. But uh, thank you. Thank you for doing so. I, I do think it's important. I'm glad that we have the opportunity to discuss it. Okay. Well, take care. Thanks. Thanks, Michael. Next time on It's All Journalism. I have this theory, like right now, if you look at modern alt-rock, mainstream rock, there are no angry guitars. <laughs> all the guitars for, 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 you know, we think back to grunge and we had, you know, all these, these loud, angry bands, your Rage Against the Machines, your Nirvanas, your Soundgarden, your Pearl Jams. This generation has so far failed to produce any mass appeal bands of that genre. And you wonder why. And I think one of the reasons may be that people realize, like, oh, what's the point? There's no... Nobody's making any money making music anymore, so why should I invest in a guitar and an amp and even try? Maybe what I'll do is just, you know, I'll pick up a ukulele or my dad's banjo or or, or learn to play something rudimentary on a synthesizer through, uh, you know, Pro Tools or, or GarageBand, and, and, and I'll write an introspective song moaning about how awful life is and how nobody understands me and how I have to grow up and I wish somebody would take me to church. You know, these are... Uh, it's 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 something that I've been been writing about over the past week or so. Where are all the angry guitar songs? And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that uh, people just don't feel that music is the vocation it used to be. In our next episode, we talk to Alan Cross, award-winning broadcaster, music writer, and host of the syndicated radio series "The Ongoing History of New Music." You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the changing state of digital news. Find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. This week's podcast was produced by Amber Healy, Michael O'Connell, and Nicole Legrisco. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening. <laughs>